Will you go with me to the book of Luke this morning? It'll be on the screen, or you can pull it up if you've got your Bible with you. We're gonna be in chapter 10, starting with verse one. Or you can listen as the word of God washes over all of us. Hear the word of the Lord. After this, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them on ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he himself intended to go. He said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go on your way and see, I'm sending you out like lambs into the midst of wolves. Carry no purse, no bag, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace to this house. And if anyone is there who shares in peace, your peace will rest on that person. But if not, it will return to you. Remain in the same house, eating and drinking whatever they provide, for the laborers deserve to be paid. Do not move about from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and its people welcome you, eat what is set before you. Cure the sick who are there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not welcome you, go out into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off in protest against you. Yet know this, the kingdom of God has come near and I tell you on that day, it'll be more tolerable for Sodom than for that town. And as we jump over to verse 17, the 70 returned with joy saying, Lord, in your name, even the demons submit to us. He said to them, I watched Satan fall from heaven like a flash of lightning. See, I have given you authority to tread on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing will hurt you. Nevertheless, nevertheless, do not rejoice at this, that the demons submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. This is the word of God for the people of God, and together we say, thanks be to God. Good morning, Dauphin Way United Methodist Church. I've been dreaming about saying that for months. I've been flooded with a river of emotions lately, and none has been greater than excitement and anticipation and hope. And before we jump into our sermon this morning, I wanna say one thing to you. And you will hear me say this more than anything else, probably almost every week. And that is that you are loved. You are loved people and you are loved as an individual. I say that every week because we have a world full of people who might not ever hear that, who might not ever have somebody in their life to tell them that they love them or to tell them that God loves them. And Christ loves every one of us. And because Christ loves you, I love you. And I don't love you in some weird, creepy way. I'm not in love with you. I'm in love with my wife. She's very beautiful, and I think she's the most beautiful person on this planet, so sorry everybody else, she wins in my opinion. I'm in love with her, but I love you all. Christ loves you all. And so if maybe, maybe you're one of the people here this morning who doesn't hear that very often, if at all, hear me say it one more time. You are loved, you are wanted, and you are created uniquely by the God of the universe. You are loved by Christ and us in this room, God wants to use you and do great things in and through you and God created you just to be who you are. And God wants to use you in incredible ways on behalf of the kingdom. So we can spend more week, we'll be weeks talking about that and you'll hear that, that's kind of my heart. That's the first thing I say anytime I go preach somewhere new and so you'll hear me say it a bunch. But I think the question on all of our minds this morning and probably has been for a few weeks as we dive into our sermon is what comes next? 
And we're gonna be talking about this for the next couple of weeks, this question of, of what comes next. There's been a tremendous amount of change at Dolphin Way lately, over the past few weeks, months, years. There's just been sometimes a season of uncertainty, of unsettledness, and, and with all that change, we're left asking, well, well, what comes next? We have said goodbye to people we love. And if you got the email this week, you saw we're gonna be saying goodbye to two more people we love with Alicia Glaze will be leaving us this coming week and John Ricketts retiring at the end of the year. And change brings sadness. Inherent to change is sadness. But there's also hope and anticipation and excitement. And so this morning, I just want to begin asking and answering and thinking about what comes next. Will you pray with me? Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, our strength and our redeemer, may your word always be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And all God's people said, oh, that was rough. All God's people said, See, see, amen means I agree or let it be so. I affirm that prayer. So like we get behind it with each other. And so if you don't agree, you don't have to say amen. But at any time when I say something, if you say amen, it's just gonna make me even more fired up. So be, feel free to say amen, preach on, keep going, you know, whatever it might be. Because we, there, there it is. That's, I bet that's Bruce down there. Is that Bruce? That's exactly who it was. I didn't, I didn't have to look to know who said that. Brad and Rachel have told us so many incredible things about this church and about you all. I'm so thankful for our friendship that we have with the goods. I've known Brad and Rachel for almost 10 years. Brad and I used to work together at St. James in Montgomery, and we've come down a number of weeks and weekends over the past few months, and they just, they've told us about you all. They've, they haven't had anything bad to say about anybody, so either they just really like you or they're lying to me, and I really think they just love you and see the best in you. I mean, as I'm meeting people, I'm putting faces to names that Brad was describing. And, and I, I keep thinking, Brianna and I keep saying, oh yeah, Brad told us that we can you know, really trust and lean on this person. And Rachel said, this person has such a great heart. And, and it, we just keep meeting incredible people. We've been overwhelmed with hospitality, with food. It's been amazing. <laughs> and we have just been so thankful that God has been at work in this transition. Through our friendships and our relationships We've benefited greatly from getting to know them and through them getting to hear about and know you. And I recognize change is not easy. As I said, saying goodbye can be tough. Brianna, Kira, Sheila, Robbins, Nell and I, we all feel you. We've all been going through the, the tumultuous season of, of what comes next. But on a lighter note, before we really dive into the scripture, I do wanna tell a quick Brad story because I, I heard he showed a flattering picture of me a couple weeks ago. And uh, yeah, that one. Um, and so I just wanted to tell you one time, this is like the classic, most classic Brad story. I don't know if he told you this or not, but if he has, it's better from my perspective. Because we went to Atlanta one time with our friend. You can take that down whenever you want. I'm just saying. I'm just, okay. Makes me chubby little eighth grader overlooking me. as like my old self. My old self could see me now, you know, that kind of thing. So Brad and Jeremy Smith and I were um, at Catalyst in Atlanta. And um, I don't know if you know this or not, but I'm really glad that Bishop didn't send Brad to a church like at the top of a really high building because Brad is like deathly afraid of heights. 
And, uh, you know, in Miami, they're starting to put some churches in high rises to save some money and some space. And, and so, um, so I'm glad Brad didn't go there because when we went to Atlanta, the funniest thing, Jeremy was so proud. He booked us this hotel room in downtown Atlanta and we got there and we, and we checked in. He was so proud. He's saving money for his budget. And Brad and I looked at each other and we walked in the room and this place smelled nasty. I mean, it was like a mixture of like stale cigarettes and, and um, like somebody got sick on the carpet and then like they left their goldfish in there for like weeks. And we, Brad and I look at each other like not wanting to hurt Jeremy's feelings, but obviously not going to stay there. And so he speaks up first. I'm like, are you going to speak? You, and so he speaks up. He goes, I'm not staying here. Forget this. And he says, um, and so he, he books us this place across the street at the Marriott Marquis. He said, I don't care what it costs. I'll spend it in my budget. And this is nice hotel. Have you ever seen the Marriott Marquis in downtown Atlanta? It's this really high building. What we didn't know is when you get in, you can see all the way to the top because the whole inside of the atrium is just like wide open and there's fountains on the bottom and you can see all the way to the glass at the top. And Brad immediately regrets this decision. And he's, he, asked the, um, he asked the people at the desk, is there a way that we could you know, get a, a room on the ground floor? And of course, they have none. And they put us like on the 20th or 30th floor or something like that. And it's like 50-something stories, I swear. It's this huge building. And Brad, the best part, we get in the elevator and it's glass all the way around. <laughs> and Brad, this is what he does. So if you're walking the elevator this way, this is what Brad does. He walks in the elevator and goes, and stares straight at the ground and the door so he can't see the glass. And I'm like 19 or 20 years old at this time. So I have no manners. Not that I have more now, but at that time, I definitely didn't. And so I'm like, hey, Brad, look, look at that cool fountain. Hey, Brad, hey, look, because I knew he didn't like heights. And he walked into the room, I like, shut the curtain so he couldn't see into downtown. And every time we went up and down that elevator, I'd like start jumping. <laughs> and Brad, as nice as he, you all know, he's like the nicest guy. I've never seen him want to hit me more in his entire life than in that moment. <laughs> I'll tell you that story just to share. I love their family. I love Brad. And we've had many great ministry experiences together. But also something you'll learn about me quickly is that I love stories. I love to tell stories. So if I got a funny story on you that's going to happen, I'll ask your permission first, but I'm going to want to tell it in a sermon at some point. I love listening to stories. Please tell me about your life. I want to hear what's going on. I want to hear what God's doing. I want to hear what you're excited about, what you're struggling through. I love, I love stories because I think they unite us. I love watching stories. So movies, I'm a big movie guy. I can have a Netflix binge with the best of them. I mean, you temper it with a healthy dose of sunlight, like once every six hours, you're good to go, right? I just, I think stories are what make the Bible so special. The Bible is full of incredible stories, rich stories about the epics of creation, about um, the redemption of the world. What's a better story than the story of Jesus redeeming the world? The stories about the birth and growth of the church. There's also some really like difficult stories in the Bible, right? Some, some stories of violence, murder, war. Like they're in there too. This book shows us the entire realm and experience of human life through these stories that, that enrich us by uniting us closer with God and with the community of God's people. And so as we jump into our text tonight, this morning, I used to preach at eight o'clock on Tuesday nights. And so it might take me a couple of weeks before I stop saying tonight. Um, because for the past three years, we used to worship at 8.45 and then that got past my bedtime. So we had to scoot it up a little bit. And so this morning... As we jump into Dr. Luke's account of Jesus's life, the story of Jesus, we're right in the middle of this story. 
Um, it's, this is not like birth narrative. This is also not quite yet to the death and resurrection. We're, we're smack dab in the middle of Jesus' story, and it's situated shortly after Jesus has fed 5,000 people, and then they had the mountain of transfiguration where they went up in the mountain, and Jesus is transfigured, and they come back down. And then right before our story, Jesus is kicked out of a Samaritan town because the Samaritans don't like Jews, and Jesus is a Jew, so they're like mortal enemies. And, and so he gets, he's not received in that town. He's kicked out. Not everybody loved Jesus. Surprise. I mean, you can, spoiler alert, if you read the end of the Gospels, you can see lots of people really didn't like Jesus. And right after our story, the ironic thing is, and this is such a Jesus thing, right? Right after our story, Jesus raises up a Samaritan as like the person to be like. Have you heard the story, the good Samaritan? And so like Jesus just kicked out of Samaria because people don't like him. And then he says the Samaritan was the right person in the story. It's just amazing. And so we're right between those two events in the gospel of Luke. And so he's getting ready to send out the 70, 70 disciples, not just these 70. I mean, there's more. Sometimes we confuse apostles and disciples. There's 12 apostles and there's lots of disciples. And Jesus is sending out these 70 disciples in pairs. They're, you know, they're going out two by two, almost like Noah's Ark, you know, going out two by two. And before they go out, Jesus gives them this, um, this big rallying cry speech. It reminds me, do you like inspirational sports movies? Because I love them. I'm just like, I can picture Jesus giving this speech and there's like the inspirational music. You got Wayne playing in the background. da 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 Chariots of Fire style. And Jesus is just like, all right, guys, we're gonna go out. I like to imagine it was like that. It might not be quite like that. But Jesus, he gives them this story. So if you will, go there with me in your mind, because this is my favorite way of reading scripture. And let's situate ourselves not as the main character, Jesus. Often when we read stories, novels, or the Bible, or whatever, we think of ourselves reading through the lens of the main character. But I think equally as informing, if not more so, is to step off to the side and think about it from somebody else's perspective. Think about it like, what if you're one of the disciples, right? What if you're one of the people about to get sent out and you're there with your like ministry partner and your tag team, we're about to go out and we're about to you know, do stuff in the, for the kingdom because we believe in this Jesus character and we're, we've been following God and we wanna do it, Jesus. And then Jesus gives us this super inspirational speech where he says, the harvest is plentiful, there's great work, but the laborers are few. And you are the laborers, get ready to go out and do the work. And then he says, go on your way. See, I'm sending you out like lambs into the midst of wolves. At that moment, I've been like, not cool. But I mean, I don't know if you ever think about it, like sheep into the, the like a, if there's a bunch of wolves around, doesn't typically fare well for the sheep. But Jesus said, I'm sending you out like that. And he continues, he says, carry nothing with you, no purse or no sandals, no bag. And whenever you get to a house, first say peace to this house. And if there's peace, they give you peace back, stay there with them. And he goes on to say, you know, don't look around like the best offer. Don't like get to a place and there's like a mansion on the street, but this other people of humble means, they welcomed you in. Don't leave them. For like the when you get there, stay there and do the work of the Lord. Whenever you enter a town and his people welcome you, eat what is set before you. And then he says, it's not always gonna be perfect. There's gonna be times where the work you're doing, even though it's on behalf of the kingdom, it doesn't go so well for you. He says, when that happens, tell them that, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off and protest against you. Like, that's harsh. Like, we want nothing to do with you. If you don't want anything to do with us, you know, wipe off and move on. This speech is, it's inspiring. It's uplifting. It's, it's a little intimidating because it's being called a big work. And Jesus sends out the 70 and they go to various towns and like the stuff that Jesus tells them to do, they actually did it. It's amazing. I mean, he told them to do it. They went and did it. I have that problem all the time where I don't. Jesus tells me to do it. I'm like, maybe, maybe one day. We'll see. 
And, but these people, they go immediately to do what Jesus did. And the crazy thing is, it worked. Like, they went out, did what Jesus did, and they came back, and it says, Jesus, Lord, in your name, even the demons submit to us. And he gives them this moment to like celebrate and be excited. And he says, see, I've given you all the authority to tread on snakes and on scorpions. But then there's verse 20. And this is like the most Jesus thing ever. Jesus is really good about like redirecting us into a different direction. Whereas we think we know what's going on, Jesus is quick to like pull the rug out from under us. And he says, nevertheless, however, do not just rejoice at this, that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. He's saying not just, that, not just about the work that you've done, but about the work of the kingdom that was accomplished in the Lord's name. You know what I love about this passage? Well, I love a lot of things about this passage, really. But what, what I really love is that this passage does something we often fail to do. It stops and rejoices. It celebrates the good work when Jesus had sent them, they came back. You can just imagine, you're one of the disciples, right? You're like, oh my gosh, Jesus, Jesus, guess what? You sent us out and we did it and it worked and, and like people, and like the demons submitted to us and it was just amazing and, and we were doing it and people were healed. Can you believe it? This time the people were healed and Jesus was like, that's awesome. I'm so proud of you. But what you did was not just about you. Can you kind of hear like this is kind of what Jesus would be saying to them? He redirects their excitement and says, and this is the part that's really important for me to hear. He says, this was the work of God in and through you. Not just about the fact that the demons submit to you, but that your names are written in heaven because what you're doing is kingdom work. What you're doing is work on behalf of God. That is a word for me that I need to hear often because I can oftentimes think, oh, it's, it's all about woods. It's about, it's about woods preaching or woods playing music, and it's not. And I think we have a general knack for, for doing good work, all of us. I think human beings as, as a whole, we, we tend to try to be um, good people, try, try to be philanthropic, do, do good works in our community. And some of us, like those in this room, we, we try to do it on behalf of the Lord. So I think we have this knack for doing good, but we rarely stop and celebrate. We rarely say, man, it's so awesome that this happened. But the few times we do, and this is what I do, is we stop and say, hey, look at this good thing I did. Or, or look, what, look what I accomplished. That's why I love that Deuteronomy text. It was this way of, of reminding the Israelites that it's not about you that's gonna get you to the promised land. It's about what God's gonna do to get you to the promised land. The Israelites and even the Jews today can look back on the passage from Deuteronomy and say, God delivered God's promises to those people. And it was God that got them from being lost in the wilderness into the promised land. When we see as Christ does, when we see as Christ sees, the way he tried to help those disciples to see, we see the work we do is not our own, but is the work that God does in and through us. God worked in and through the disciples. It wasn't just the Israelites. And I could stand here before you today and say, I have no idea how I got here. I'm really excited about being here, but you know, how did this, how did this kid, this, this kid with this awesome wooden cross, where's my mullet? Where'd that mullet go? That was a sick mullet. No, nope, that one, jump the gun. Well, this, this mullet got even more awesome. I just want you to know. Or, and I can be like, you know, the trains didn't get quite back on the tracks. How did this, this college kid who was basically a hippie, who was a vagabond running around, where's that next, that one right there. My hair was, got long, it got down to my back. 
Yo, I got, had, had locks of love. It was like this super long. This was me in college. Just, no, Dolphin White, I don't know if y'all would have liked me very much. I was just coming in with no shoes and like white linen pants. My wife won't let me wear my white linen pants anymore. But uh, like I could stand here and be like, I have no idea how I got here today. And I could easily say also, well, I'm here today because of, the, because of how awesome I am. But neither of those things would be true. They'd be the farthest thing from the truth. Because the truth is, I don't deserve to be up here preaching to you, to being a pastor. We don't necessarily deserve anything. But God loves us and wants to work in and through us. And I look at my life and I see flaws, I see sin, I see struggle, and I'm not a perfect person. And heavens knows I will not always be a perfect pastor. There'll be plenty of times where I make mistakes. But I recognize that in my weakness is when God is strongest. And so whatever we might think about ourselves as individuals, whatever I might think about myself, it was the work of God that brought me here today. And the same is true for you, and especially for this church. I've loved being in Mobile this first week and hearing all the incredible things about Dauphin Way. I've loved the past couple of years as I talk with Brad, he just tells me the great things that are going on. And we can say it's just good individuals, people with generous giving of their time, their talents, their gifts, their service, their witness. We could just say it was um, visionary leaders, you know, cr- you know, courageous people that got us here today, but that would not be sufficient. That would not be all it was. It was actually the work of God that got us to where we are today. It was the work of God through Carl Atkins that saw the vision to place this steeple in Midtown Mobile that would be a beacon of hope for the people of Mobile to say, God is here and you are welcome. Come here and experience love. It was the work of God through Steve Dill and Jim Bell, and Mike Watson, and Joel McDavid, and Neil McDavid, and Robin, and Jeff Wilson that brought Dauphin Way into seasons of vitality, spiritual depth, and evangelical vigor. It was the work of God, and still is the work of God, through Kathy Jorgensen, who being raised in this church, desired to serve God through this church, and still sees it as her mission to help the poor, to love the least, and to welcome the stranger. It was the work of God through the life of Brad and Rachel Good that helped create this vital experience, this gathering, this community. And it's not just clergy. It's not just the pastors. No, God calls all people. Like I said, we're all created uniquely to be used by God for great things. It was the work of God through Miss L.G. Adams. I heard this story the other day. I loved it. Who was one of the founding members of Dauphin Way and was quick to speak up against division. Anytime people were trying to divide the church, see, she saw it as her role on behalf of God to keep the church united, strong, and navigate the tumultuous season of an early church. It is the work of God through people like Austin Bradford who are coordinating volunteers to help us be able to have a rich experience on Sunday mornings to where we have people to serve us communion and people to be able to to pour into our lives and welcome us into the doors. It's the work of God through Christine Sullivan and all the band up here who create for us this dynamic worship experience where we can encounter the Holy Spirit in new ways each and every Sunday. It's the work of God through so many more people and I'm excited to hear these stories and to meet you and to understand what God is doing in you because in this place, I feel the presence of the Holy Spirit and I know that God is at work here and I'm grateful to be appointed here because I'm so thankful for this incredible community, not just because you're cool people, I've heard you are, 
but because of what the Holy Spirit, what God is doing in and through you. And I'm excited about that. I stop and I celebrate and I rejoice. And I recognize too, maybe you're not there right now. Maybe a season of celebration and rejoicing is not where you find yourself this morning. Maybe you're skeptical about the transition, about the way things happen in Methodist Church where people get moved around. Maybe you're questioning, hey, new preacher up there, I don't know if I like him or not, we're giving him a chance, but you know, he didn't hit the mark, so I don't know where you're at. Maybe you just had a bad week and things are just tough and you've got kids going in every direction and just things are stressful because you gotta get to this ball game and you gotta get to this practice and you're gonna go on family vacation with your in-laws and, and sometimes that cannot always go the best. And you've got all these things maybe going on in your life and you're like, you know what? I'm just not really in a season of celebration. I'm not really ready to rejoice this morning. I hear you because I've had plenty of seasons like that too. We all have. Life is not always full of milk and honey in the promised land. There are seasons of, of sorrow, of hurt. And if that's where you are this morning, know that we are praying for you. I am praying for you and that you are loved and that we wanna help you journey through that season. Romans tells us we don't only rejoice with those who rejoice, but we also mourn with those who mourn. And we pray that you will make it through that season so you too can look back and celebrate. Because my fear is if we're so often moving from thing to thing, from good work to good work, or coming out of a season of sorrow and just moving on and forgetting about what God did, we miss what God is doing in our midst and we fail to give thanks for what God has done through us and through this church and through all people on this world. And so I pause this morning before I do anything else as a pastor here at Dolphin Way to give thanks for the incredible work that God has done here, through you, through this church, in this community, and around the world. Before we start any new programs, before we, we launch these new sermon series or anything else happens, before I did anything else as a pastor here, I wanted to give thanks to God for what God's done in my life and in your life and in the life of this church. And friends, I'm excited about what's gonna come next. I'm excited about what the Holy Spirit's gonna be doing. And I can't wait to journey with you through all the seasons that God has in store for us. As we prepare to receive communion, will you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, we give thanks that in this place, you are doing mighty works. We give thanks, God, that you are continuing to preserve and keep us even in the midst of change and of uncertainty. And God, we ask that you help us to remember to stop and give thanks and praise and to also to be anxiously excited about all that you're gonna be doing in the life of Dolphin Way. It's in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit we pray. Amen.